everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before I get started on today's Mortcast uh, special, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in Buer, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Um, do you like wine? Do you like Cabernet? Do you like Pinot? Do you like Rosé? Do you like Riesling? Do you like Whites? Do you like wine? Go to Blanchard Family Wines. Um, it's the great. It's a bit one of the best experiences you can have in Denver without driving 250 miles to Grand Junction or flying to California or flying out of the country to Italy or France. Uh, honestly, it is it is one of the best experiences I've had personally with the atmosphere and uh, the enjoyment of tasting wine. Um, Opening up in late 2018, uh, Blanchard Family Wines is uh, giving the experience of a having a local vineyard and bringing it to Denver. Uh, they are on Instagram and Facebook under Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, once again, they are located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right in the middle of the dairy block, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. If you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG special. Um, I'm going to try something new here. Uh, I haven't done this one. I've done kind of little stories about, um, <laughs> about um, you know, things sports-related, but this is the first time we've really ventured outside of the sports landscape. And I'm going to be doing a, several of these this month. Uh, these are in celebration of, well, it's Spooky Month. And as we are in October, leading up to Halloween, and we're going to be talking about Jeff's favorite uh, Halloween, or excuse me, scary movies. Uh, And today I'm going to talk about a personal favorite of mine entitled Prince of Darkness uh, by director John Carpenter. Um, This movie came out in 1987, and by 1987, uh, John Carpenter was really at a low end, Um, and believe it or not, it would get get even lower, but uh, after coming, really ascending from 1978's um, Halloween through The Fog, through Escape from New York, he was 
really kind of becoming a a a go-to director uh and all of those movies were kind of different uh, uh Halloween was a horror movie um the the fog was kind of a ghost story movie and Escape from New York was just straight up action adventure with no horror in it and he was becoming a guy who can become you know director of everything in 1982, he directed what is everyone considers to be, almost everyone considers to be his best movie, The Thing. Um, but it was savaged, absolutely savaged by critics. And it probably is, even though it probably is his best movie, it destroyed his career. Uh, particularly as a studio director. Um, he couldn't get... Um, these uh, the premium directing gigs. I mean, the the the, the thing uh, had a over ten million dollar budget, biggest budget he ever had to deal with. So he ended up having to go take whatever movie he could afterwards, and there was a movie called Christine. Now Christine actually made its money back. It wasn't a flop. It made it made its money back and it made a profit. Um, and then he did the movie after that called Starman, which was his last major studio picture um and that one made a small profit but his days as a as a star were done essentially after making his best movie in 1982 uh so by 1986 when he made um a movie called Big Trouble in Little China his reputation was really on the downhill side uh downhill uh Big Trouble in Little China had a bigger budget uh, than his previous two movies, previous three movies, and it bombed. And by 1987, Carpenter was fully out of favor in Hollywood and uh, was searching around for deals where he could can retain his auteur um, ability without with little to no stu- studio in- interference. Every director's dream. John Carpenter pretty much had his autonomy um, from Halloween on. Uh, he always got his name above the title, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Um, and he would do write, and he would direct, and he would do the scores of all these movies. I mean, he really truly was an auteur in every legitimate sense. And Prince of Darkness was the first movie of a three-picture deal uh, with a small, small production studio called Alive Pictures, and where they basically gave him a complete autonomy for three million dollars, uh, which three million dollars, and put it into perspective, even in 1987, was not much. Um, you really have to work and be creative. And really, in John Carpenter's credit, under those constraints, he is a tremendously creative director. So it comes to uh, 1987, and his first picture for Alive Pictures is Prince of Darkness, one of his most underrated films, uh, I will say. Um, it's not When people go through the John Carpenter of yore, they rarely mention Prince of Darkness. And I, it's always been puzzling to me why. They always go to the next picture, which is something called uh, They Live, um, which is a, a different and <laughs> a completely different set of uh, kettle of fish. But this one is, 
I think, needs to get more credit for the actual creativity that he put into it and the amount of thought that went into the movie. Um, Carpenter says that he came up with uh, the idea for this movie while researching uh, something called theoretical physics. Um, I, I don't know how true that is. I don't know if Car- Carpenter's just making shit up, but uh, you can tell the influence of science, equations, differential equations, uh, atomic theory, all of this kind of melded into this movie. Uh, his quote was, I thought it would be interesting to create some sort of uh, ultimate evil and combine it with the notion of matter and antimatter. Now, the creative thing about this movie, and one of the reasons I, I, I really like this movie, is because this is the first movie that I can really think of that really w- tried to meld science and religion. Um, and make it into one, rather than making it as an opposition to each other. And I think where people uh, kind of missed the point on the movie was that it, it was such self-contained movie, uh, as I'll go into later, that it was hard for them to kind of get the, the melding of it. And now, in the, with the benefit of 2019 hindsight, a lot of the pseudoscience in there is really... Um, I don't have a lot of, you know, it's, it's not a lot of it's kind of BSE. Okay. It's a, it's a lot of bullshit. Um, but the concept itself was really interesting. Um, it starts off with, uh, a priest who dies. Uh, he was the head of a, a derelict monastery in downtown Los Angeles. Um, a fellow priest, um, goes in and uh, uh, is summoned and, and, and comes in possession of this box that this priest is, uh, is carrying, the, the priest who died. And inside that box is a key. Um, Donald Pleasance's character goes in to the monastery, finds where the key goes to, and it's this basement. And his discovery from there of what's inside that basement leads, opens up to the rest of the movie. Um, the movie stars uh, Donald Pleasance, as I said, who is a John Carpenter and was a John Carpenter mainstay, um, and uh, Victor Wong. And people will remember Victor Wong from uh, Tremors. Uh, he's the guy that named the worms Graboids. Uh, and Jameson Parker from si- Late of Simon and Simon. Um, and I actually was looking on here trying to find out uh, anything that Jameson Parker did, and it looks like he just basically stopped act, acting in 2009. So the man's retired. I guess he's in the 70s now. Uh, but if any of you have seen uh, Simon and Simon, he was A.J. Simon. I remember my mom watching that in the 80s, but I was just curious about, about watching that. And then also Dennis Dunn, who was uh, in uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, so uh, much like a lot of directors, Doug Carpenter would cycle through his uh, usuals, uh, and uh, it even has uh, um, Peter Jason in it. And Peter Jason, this was the first movie that he was in with John Carpenter, and he would go in to star in a ton of John Carpenter films later. Uh, not star, but act in. Um, after the priest discovers this thing, he basically, it doesn't show you what he discovered, but he starts questioning his faith. Uh, and whatever was being protected by this priest who was in a sect called the Brotherhood of Sleep, not 
officially part of the Catholic Church, just a sect, um, he begins to really question everything. Now, meanwhile, people are having dreams, uh, specifically the priest, and uh, later this professor named Tom Barrick, excuse me, not Tom Barrick, Howard Barrick, <laughs> Tom Barrick, someone else, uh, uh, Victor Wonk's character is having these dreams about the same thing. It's an apocalyptic kind of thing where inside this very monastery there's this entity opening up its arms, uh, implying that then some sort of apocalypse going on maybe in the future. Maybe it's a message being sent back to him. Anyway, this this whole thing is is wrapped up into one. Um, Donald Pleasance's priest goes to Victor Wong, uh, P- Professor Barrick, and says, I need you and your team to come and study this thing inside this uh, church. And after some debate, he is convinced to come in and uh, come in and see what's in this basement, which turns out to be this a weird kind of cylindrical uh, thing with a spinning uh, kind of greenish goo inside of it. And you think, oh, that's, just, that's weird. And, and really, that's what it's supposed to do, is like give you a, a, an impression that it is just, just a strange thing. Um, Professor Barrick brings his student team in, and a bunch of others into study this thing and give and 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 study it as you know, on an atomic level and to translate the book that accompanies it and uh, when it turns out this book is full of differential equations and the book is hundreds of years old. So without giving away the rest of the movie, it is actually a, 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 the entire rest of this movie is self-contained inside this monastery, and it is. Really, really good. It's very claustrophobic. It's not quite on the level of the thing. Um, nothing Carpenter did has ever been on that level. But this is also a really um, excellent exploration of science, religion as one. And it has always shocked me, as I said before, that this has not been studied this way before in film. How both of these things can be used together and coming into this and if you if you're watching this you'll see that the the movie is not your typical fast burning horror movie it is actually a exploration of the psyche of these people as a group of homeless people who have apparently become possessed one of the homeless people is uh Alice Cooper whose manager was actually one of the executive producers on this film, which is why he is in the film. Although these 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 homeless people surround this monastery and keep these people inside of this church, um, and it is it's it's that creates this sense of claustrophobia as these people start getting either possessed or going a little nuts. And now I'm not going to go into the end. You're going to have to watch it yourself. But the end is a little silly, but Outside of that, it's really kind of a great, neat idea, and, and I, it was. It's. I think Carpenter himself did himself a bit of a disservice by not exploring this a little more and a little further. Um, you could tell that he was influenced as well, and 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 uh, John Carpenter will freely admit he was in, influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, specifically the story Rats in the Walls for a lot of his future things. But there is a story that I, I cannot for the life of me, and I've been think, racking my brain all day trying to remember this, 
um, that uh, deals with witchcraft and quantum physics. Um, <laughs> it's it's and you could tell that that Carpenter must have been thinking about it uh, when he made this movie. And but using but Carpenter spent on it was using religion. And how, watching uh, Donald Presence's character uh, really begin to question his faith and what he really believes in, while this thing is is all encompassing and attempting to basically cause an apocalypse, is just is 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 quite amazing. And it and it's a, has a grand scale with a, with being self contained. It's a it's a grand scope without having to show. The entire world. It is. It is really, really kind of fascinating, and it really, honestly, it, it made fourteen million at the box office on a three million dollar budget. I mean, that's a success any way you slice it. And Carpenter, um, as I said before, does his best when he is forced to cut corners because it makes you more creative. And the the kind of the goo aspect of this, which goes into it later. Is is part of his way of not having to do a bunch of practical effects, which were very uh, expensive to do, and uh, it really kind of created a, a a intense atmosphere that slowly built over the course of the movie. Uh, and really, it's one of my favorite John Carpenter films, and it's a shame that it's not more highly regarded. Um, it's another movie that, when it was released, did, was not uh, was kind of savaged by critics. Uh, unfortunately, and uh, but I highly, highly recommend anyone who is really kind of in looking for something new to think about uh, with horror movies and uh, kind of an exploration of of the intersection of religion and science. I highly recommend this movie. Uh, like I said, don't go in thinking that there's going to be actual things that are make any sense because that's that's a lot of it's bullshit. But that's not the point. That's just to get you to think about it. And if you just go in with no expectations, you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, Carpenter, once again, did the score on this, and that's what I played for you at the beginning of this thing. One of my favorite Carpenter scores, uh, the man just knows how to set an atmosphere. <laughs> he just really does. Oh, did. So, uh, anyway, I, just go out and get uh, and rent Prince of Darkness. Uh, it's You can find it on Amazon for like two bucks to stream. Uh, or all, all of your other favorite streaming locations. So, anyway, this is good. This is the first episode of uh, this month's Jeff's Favorite Horror Movies. I'll be back with another one and, uh, and of course, another regular CSG. Hope you all enjoyed it. Goodbye.